I want to learn more about Jesus. I want to be more intentional about being a follower of Jesus. And something that he's commanded us to do is to make disciples. Yeah. Can we do that together? Yep. going on everybody welcome to made to multiply the four-part discipleship podcast that covers the what why who and how of discipleship so far we've learned that a disciple is a follower of jesus and the reason why we disciple is not just because we're commanded to but because we were made to multiply and today we're going to be answering the question who then do we disciple and alongside me is my co-host Rob, my name is Luke, and we are both on staff here at Renaissance Church as elders. And yeah, how you doing, Rob? I'm doing well. Uh, but it seems like you always ask me that question. And by always, I mean the last two <laughs> Yeah, the last episodes. two. I've asked you twice in, in our twice. life. Yeah. Um, what's been going on with you today? Uh, not too much. I feel like my posture is getting progressively worse as I'm sitting most of the day. Mm, Uh, So that happens sometimes. I'm still reeling from uh, the Penguins game the other night and we lost in double overtime. And so, woof. Yeah. Yeah. Two days later, and yeah, I'm still on the. Yeah, well, enough about losing. Uh, we don't want to get uh, Pittsburghers too depressed as they start That's listening true. to this uh, to this uh, podcast here. But um, all the yep. reason more though that we need to. Tell people about hope. Yeah, that's right. The hope we have in yeah. Jesus. Um, Our surpasses the hope of Sidney Crosby. Yeah. Um, yes and amen. So, yeah, one of the reasons why we want to do these podcasts is we want to equip you, Renaissance Church, and we want to equip those who are your friends, family members, maybe folks that you know who want to know more about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus and to multiply more disciples of Jesus. And so we're excited to stop talking about the penguins and start talking about this question of who we disciple, right? That's right. So the topic of who we disciple uh, can be overwhelming for a lot of people, myself including, included sometimes, figuring out who it is exactly that we are to disciple. Mm-hmm. And so the question for you to start, Rob, is, how do we know who to disciple? Yeah, I think that needs to go back to a different question, right? It's not who do we disciple, but I think it's more of who do we see Jesus discipling, right? So if we're following Jesus, we need to ask, well, who did he disciple? Great. So let me rephrase my question then. (laughs) Who did Jesus disciple? And so help me if you say he discipled everyone. Well, I mean... (laughs) In a roundabout way, um, he did disciple everyone that he came into contact with, uh, but he also intentionally discipled a few. Hmm. So can you explain a little further if he discipled everyone he came in contact with, what did that look like? Yeah, so you can think of discipling everyone as informal discipleship. 
people are watching his life. Mm-hmm. They're listening to his words, both non-believers and that is that is people who are not following him. Sure, heard about him, heard his words, and those who were following him yeah. uh, from the crowds, the seventy-two to the twelve. Um, they were hearing and watching all that he is doing. So both believers and non-believers were being discipled, taught by Jesus. So that makes me think back to the Dallas Willard quote that we shared mm, in yeah. the, a couple episodes ago where where he talks about everyone is someone's disciple, except now it seems like we're saying that we're all discipling someone at all times. Yeah, I think that's the best way to think about it is not only are we being discipled by something or someone, but what we're doing, we're we're discipling others around us informally all the time. If you're a parent, they're watching you. They're picking up on things. They're listening to things. If you have roommates, um, they're watching you. They're picking up on things. So you're informally discipling people all the time by what you do and what you say and what you don't do and what you choose not to say. Yep. Especially if you're a Christian, you have even more weight on you of what you're expecting. Yep from you when they watch you. Mm-hmm. So you said Jesus discipled everyone, believers and non-believers, yet he focused on some believers specifically. What did that look like when he focused in on on believers in his circle? Yeah, I think he had built intentional relationships with a smaller number of people, specifically the 12. He would be answering a, a lot of their questions that they, hey, Rabbi, what did you mean by the parable that you just told us yeah. about the seeds. And then he would go in to explain it. But then oftentimes you also see him formally discipling in the synagogues. A special time that he was teaching or in the Sermon on the Mount, what our church is going through right now. Yeah. That's formal discipleship. But then you see him drawing back with three, mm-hmm. right? He had even smaller crew that he was pouring into. And I think what's interesting about his whole crew that he discipled, all, all 12 of them, is you see diversity in the yeah. mix, right? You have Simon the Zealot, who we might label as like a right-wing Jewish conservative right. back in the day. Yep. And then you have uh, Matthew, uh, the tax collector. Levi, right? Um, he was more left-wing. He was siding with the Romans yep. uh, during that time, uh, collecting taxes for them. Now, these two would be natural-born enemies. Right but we have them coming together underneath the lordship and the kingship of their teacher, their king, their mm-hmm. Messiah, Jesus. Yep. Yes, we have diversity even amongst those 12. Yeah. So we can kind of think of the 12 as like community groups. Yep. Gathering with That's great. a handful of Yeah, it's a great parallel. Uh, then when we look at the three, that would be discipleship groups that, that are multiplied out of our mm-hmm. community groups. Yep. So... This is where I've typically seen challenges come up, though, within our church, within uh, people that I've talked about with myself included. How do we decide then who we formally disciple? Can it be any Christian at any church? Should it only be the local church you're part of? Uh, should it only be people in, in your community group? What does that look like? Yeah, I, I get, I get the, I get the idea of that that question of just like, man, I know a lot of Christians. Mm-hmm. Who should I choose to disciple? And and when we look at the New Testament, they didn't have that option. Like, yeah. no one had the option of, you know, First Church of Jerusalem right. versus... My friend out in Murraysville. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, they just had their local community of believers that they were a part of. And so that wouldn't really have been a question 
of how do I decide between which Christian to, they, they would have said, well, who's in front of me? Mm. Who's a part of my local church right now? Yeah. And the beautiful part of the local church family is you don't get to choose your family. Yeah. Um, God does. He's the one who adopts us. Yep. And so I think the the priority, at least in our context today, is the priority ought to be local church specific. Yeah. And then even more so, I think the the better, not the better, but I think the wiser priority would be those who you're in community group with yep. here at Renaissance Church, if you're a member here. Yeah, that makes sense. So what what would you say is a benefit of focusing on the people right in front of you then yeah i think uh the first benefit is you're you're saying well i'm just going to keep doing what i'm already doing but i'm going to do it differently mm-hmm. i already am in relationship with these folks in community group i've already committed to local church membership with these guys why don't i do what i'm already doing but do it a little bit differently yeah so i eat dinner every night what if one of those nights was going to be with one or two other people and we're just going to gather around god's word yep learn with one another from one another. Um, I think the other priority uh, of doing it with the people who are right in front of you, it, it actually fulfills one of Jesus's um, ideas for evangelism, which I think is a brilliant idea, which is, hey, when other people see the way you love each other, that means you have to be yep. proximate to one another, around one another. Um, and that means you're also around the world, around you're out in public with one another. When yep. other people see to see the way you guys love each other, they're going to know you're my disciples. That's right. And I think this gets back to the thing we were talking about before. This aids in multiplying more disciples, mm-hmm. brand new disciples, people who weren't once following Jesus, who are now following Jesus because of the yep. way that they see you guys love each other. And when you're in that uh, close proximity to one another, yeah. where your lives are overlapping, Man, it's just easier to disciple that way, and it's easier to do the other part of discipleship, which is evangelism, yeah. is never one by one in the New Testament. Two by two, yeah. Jesus would send them out. Yeah, That's great. So it also uh, is a great witness to those who might be new to the church that are mm-hmm. on the fringes and see uh, deep friendship that's, that's right. discipling and, and loving one another like Christ. So how do you decide then who to invite into this Got something falling. Something's falling over in the room. How do you decide who to invite into a formal discipling relationship? Then, is there anything specific you should look for when you're thinking through this? Yeah, I I think when it comes to the formal ones, uh, we would say it. Which is the three groups of two to three. Yeah, the the smaller ones. Uh, Remember, there's the informalities. We're just going to be hanging out with everybody. They're going to be watching you. Multitudes. The formal ones, I would say. First and foremost, they probably should be a follower of Jesus. Yeah. Um, yeah and I think on a deeper level, um, we we can think of it as, as uh, the, the word sat. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they should be steadfast, available, and teachable. Yeah. And okay. I think those are good character traits of somebody who wants to be discipled, but also... This is a mutually beneficial right. relationship. Yeah. Um, whether you're meeting groups of twos or threes, um, hey, we're going to be steadfast towards one. We're going to be committed mm-hmm. um, to one. We're going to be available uh, for one another. Yeah. I'm going to sacrifice my schedule, and I'm also I'm not going to be the know-it-all in the group. Yeah. Right. It's 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 impossible to teach somebody who doesn't want to doesn't think they need to be taught. Right. Um, but everybody in the group 
should say like yeah, I, we have something to learn here yeah um so yeah steadfast available teachable sat sat makes sense what about we think of male to male female to female age range yeah I, th- I think we see that norm in the new testament that um ladies are discipling ladies men are discipling men this is formally yeah right we have the informal times that are going on all yeah. the time where i'm learning from my sisters in christ right. and they're learning from me we're talking about that formal time grabbing coffee in the morning uh drinks uh later on in the day meals together right um but I, as far as age goes man i just think we have something to learn from everybody yeah like one of my favorite things that i learned from that i'm always learning from brand new believers is their desire to tell somebody else about Jesus. Yeah. Because even uh, right. almost a couple decades in now to being a follower of Jesus, sometimes I forget about the urgency to yep. tell my neighbors about Jesus. But you get somebody fresh out of the baptismal waters that I'm they're discipling. Eager, yeah. They're eager. It's just like, oh, Lord, restore to me that joy so that I'm motivated to go and tell others. Yes, yeah, so I think age, um, I like to think along the lines of spiritual age. Yeah. Um, but I, I get experiential age too, like sure. those who are older. But I think regardless of where you are in your walk with yeah. Jesus, um, maybe we have something to learn yeah. to learn from all ages. It would be foolish to think we can't learn something, whether someone's a Christian for a day or 10 years. Uh, we yeah. learn something from everybody. Yeah, and I think it shows the upside down nature of the kingdom yep. uh, when you see something like you know, someone who's a janitor um, and in a school system, mm-hmm. discipling the principal that came to faith underneath their, yep. um, underneath their d- discipleship. Yeah. So it's like, that's the upside down nature of, of, of the kingdom. It's the least of these, it's the poor in spirit, the meek, yep. the powerless, yeah. um, or the ones who are seeing God's kingdom spread through their humble yet confident ministries. Yeah. And for our church where we are mainly in the same age range. Uh, that doesn't mean that we have nothing to offer each other, right? It's this, the same spirit that lived in Christ lives in us. That mm-hmm. you can teach and correct and encourage, yep. uh, even if we're both just out of college or both mm. 35 yep. years old. That's right. Um, That's right. So sometimes people can think, though, okay, well, you're saying to formally invite a few people in into discipleship group where you have these close formal relationships. How would you respond to someone then who says, Hey Rob, doesn't that seem exclusive to only invite a select few into this discipleship group? Yeah. And I, I I get it. Like it seems that way, but we have to remember that, you know, the formal time that you're together, we're we're talking about one to three hours a week, Mm -hmm. sometimes maybe every other week. Uh, When I think about the way that my wife, Lauren, uh, as in a discipleship group with some other ladies, they they meet every other week yeah. for two hours, uh, study through the book of James. There's a lot of hours left in that week yeah. to spend with others. What we're talking about is the formal time where you're saying, the, I'm selecting these two to three people or one to three people that I'm going to have this exclusive relationship, not to create a holy huddle, mm-hmm. but what's the purpose, Luke? To multiply. To multiply, yeah. right? So. Yeah. This is not for the exclusion. This is for the inclusion of more people. Yeah, um, that's right. D- down that's the road. Good. So yeah, yeah, that's good. So how would you 
encourage someone to invite people in then. Do you say, hey, do you want to read the Bible with me? Do you want to be in a discipleship group together? How would you give someone courage to, to maybe step out and, and talk to someone to get into a group together? Yeah, I think those questions are gold. Yeah. Um, but it takes courage yeah. to ask somebody those questions. And we're not coming in saying, hey, do you want to be my disciple? Uh-huh. Like as, as if I'm up here and you're down there. It's like, hey, like I, I want to learn more about Jesus. I want to be more intentional about being a follower of Jesus. And something that he's commanded us to do is to make disciples. Yeah. Can we do that together? Yep. And then maybe can we pray about the Lord multiplying us yeah. maybe nine to 18 months from now? Yeah. Um, and we might see two, three more people who come to know Jesus uh, because we've intentionally decided, hey, we're, we're made to multiply yeah. here. This is how we want to follow. That's right. That's good. I love that. So we see that we are informally discipling everyone around us that's watching us, that we're interacting mm-hmm. with on a day-to-day. And then we see we are formally discipling people. Yep. Discipling people. It's discipling not either. people. Discipling people. There you go. You got yeah. it out that time. Yeah. And it's not an either or. Yep. Both, Both and. Both and. Both and. So what would you encourage people to do then once they form a discipleship group? So they get their group of two to three, two to four people. Yeah. Uh, what are the next steps for them? Well, you're talking about a lot of information that I would have needed to spell in about 30 seconds because yeah, we're running out of time here. So the good news is we got a, a fourth episode. Great. Right. And it's how now do we go about discipling? It's kind of like when we think about what we are making in, in the kitchen. Yep. Uh, we're going to give you the ingredients for the recipe uh, to know how to make disciples now. And that's going to be coming in the, the next episode, which I'm so excited Love about. Love it. Me too. That's fantastic. So you guys can look forward to hearing about uh, how to disciple next episode. Thanks mm-hmm. again for listening on our conversation today of who we disciple on this episode of Made to Multiply. And for those that are interested in learning more about any resources that we're talking about or, or notes that we're sharing, um, we'll have PDFs under the episode notes for you to click on. Yep. Uh, and, and check those out. Well, we hope that you'll join us next time as we explore uh, how we disciple. That's right. Until then, peace be with you. Peace be with you.